Do you want to go with the intro or do you want me to do the intro? Ooh, yeah, I'll do it. Oh. I'm keeping that bit in. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, fine, I'll, I guess I'll go. Um, <laughs> hello, and welcome back to the Cape Verse podcast. I'm your co-host, Louis, and this is my other co-host, Thomas. And today, we're going to be talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. That Mainly was an interesting take. You no. uh, you introduced us both as co-hosts. You didn't go, I'm the host, and this is my other well, host. Equals, like... equals, man. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I just I have expected to go. This I'm, well, I'm co-host Louis, and this is the host Thomas. I for some reason I thought you couldn't do that. <laughs> but I, I can do that again. It's, it's fine. I'll, I'd, I'd rather I'll, I'll, I'd rather I'll you didn't. To be honest, I'll it would feel like a it feels like I'm making you do it. Now, now it's forced. <laughs> I'll go from the top. Hello, and welcome back to the Cape Rush Podcast. I'm the little feeble worker boy, Liam, <laughs> and this is Slave Master, Thomas. <laughs> much better, much better. Today, this is, this we're going to be talking should... about Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, like you said, we're, we're talking about the, the first three films. We're talking about um, <laughs> Curse of the Black Pearl, Dead Man's Chest, and At World's End. Yeah. I always forget the names still to this day. If you like if somebody turned around to me and said, Oh, I just watched like Pirates of the Caribbean like Dead Man's Chest, I'd be like, Oh, oh nice. okay. But but like see if you say one, two or three, I can give you all of it. I, I like I know hundred percent what you're talking about. But like see if it comes I, I don't know why it worked that way, but like I just never learned the the names for it. It was always just one, two or three. Well, <laughs> the names I, I knew the names for these ones because I had the DVDs for the first uh, and third one, so yeah. I knew the names because I knew which one I didn't have, and it always annoyed me, <laughs> right, which yeah. is why I bought them on Blu-ray, because um, <laughs> I, I want them all except the bad ones. But what annoys me about the names, right, is the first one is the Curse of the Black Pearl, and then the next two names are Dead Shot. It's Dead Man's Chest at World's End on Stranger Tides. They're like dead. It's like three words a yeah. title, yeah. but then you get to the the last one. And in the States, it was called Dead Men Tell No Tales, which yeah. is a it's a yeah. line you hear throughout the franchise, whatever. Dead Men but... Tell No Tales. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I hate I hated that title because it's, I was, it's, it's, well, it's, it's a bit long, but it also sounds too much like Dead Man's Chest. Dead Men Tell No Tales, yeah. Dead Man's Chest. Yeah. So I wanted it to be a bit more unique. And it is. In the UK, the title of the film is Salazar's Revenge. Yeah. Um, yes. Which Which works. I think, yeah. I I quite like that. Except, when you watch the movie, the title card comes up. In the film, it goes, tell him, dead men, tell no tales. And then the title card comes up, dead men, tell no tales. But in the UK version, it comes up, Salazar's Revenge. So I kind of wish that he was like, tell... Captain Jack Sparrow, Salazar's Revenge, and then it moves into the title card. <laughs> but that I would be they'd... so clunky. Like, at least, at least in the low, we're like, oh, Salazar will have his revenge. But no, Salazar's, Salazar's Revenge. Salazar's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so weird. <laughs> but, yeah, so do you, um, do you know much about why this franchise came about and yes, what caused yes, it? Yes, very, very little. I, like, I, I, I know... Roughly the fact that it was because of Disneyland, right? Like it was Disney 
Disneyland because they had the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. It is because weirdly, um, when uh, when Disneyland was created um, by Walt Disney, um, <laughs> I don't know why I had to specify that bit. Um, he, went, he went down with the stings himself, built it by hand, you know. <laughs> he worked on it for years. <laughs> for whatever reason, I'm not a big like Disney, you know, historian. But it wasn't like I'm sure they had like Mickey. You know, they still sell Mickey Mouse merchandise and stuff. But a lot of their rides and attractions were unique for the park. You know, they had uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and they had like skeleton pirates and animatronics and all that stuff. But it wasn't based off anything. Which, it's it's cool, but it's strange because, you know, now you have amusement parks for movie theatres and, like, movie chains and stuff. And it's yeah. it's franchised from the movies, you know. Um, it's it's the like if reverse in the world, right? Yeah. It's like if Marvel were like, we're going to make a theme park and it was all dinosaur related. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's strange that, you know, they made attractions then made movies based off those attractions not the other way around which is kind of the norm um yeah. but and yeah like, so you can kind of see that though as well like you can you can see in the film like after the first one you can see like such a clear change between where they thought oh this would make a really good film to oh shit like we've struck gold like this is there's something so much bigger here that like, we can make this into like one of the best trilogies yeah and i think it's because like you know there's been quite a few um, movies based off rides before Pirates of the Caribbean and after. I think I think Pirates of the Caribbean was the one that made them go, "Oh no, this can work," oh. even though it's the only time it's worked. <laughs> but they were like, they kept doing it even recently as uh, Jungle Cruise. Was um, that a ride? Oh, fuck yeah, it's based off was a that, ride. Was that a ride before? Oh my god! Yeah, that was a ride, and then they turned it that into a shit. film. They'll make it. Into a <laughs> I've not, they I've not They'll seen make it. They'll make it into a trilogy, but. It's just, it's it's weird. I tell you, like, the chemistry, like, me and my girlfriend went to see it, and, like, the first thing we came out of saying was the chemistry between Emily Blunt, the dainty, nice little pretty flower, and the big hulking monster that is, like, yeah, doing the Johnson, the, it's just I bizarre. Think, I think The Rock is too big to be taken seriously as a romantic lead. Yeah, and, like, even, like, right, I, not to spoil, like, if you're going to watch it, I'm sorry, right, but... <laughs> Welcome to our Pirates of the Caribbean episode, spoilers for Jungle Cruise. <laughs> Please put that at the top. Please put this at the beginning. Like... Okay. <laughs> but no, do you mind me spoiling it? Like, um, I've not seen it. I think I, I think I know what some of the spoilers are. Um, okay. Right, but, I'm, uh, right, I'm going to take my earphones out, and you get sixty seconds to vent. Okay, brilliant. Right, okay. right. Three, two, one, go. Okay, cool. So, like, the first point of it, like, his character. Obviously, if you've seen it, fair enough, but. Dwayne Edward Johnson's character, when they go back in time and he's like, obviously, he's meant to be alive for years and hundreds and hundreds of years, he's meant to be some sort of like little map bitch. Like, he's only meant to be the same. He's not meant to be this... He's too hulkingly big of an actor to play some little map-reading dweeb. Like, it just... It doesn't make sense. It's just the, the completely wrong character choice. They, they picked him because he's Dwayne Edward Johnson. That oh, So many better people could have been him. Right, that's... Yeah, okay, that's it done. 
Well, 60 seconds is a long time. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for like 10 seconds. <laughs> I'm going anyway. to have to, um, I'm just realizing I'm going to have to watch Jungle Cruise before I edit this episode of the podcast. Yep. Otherwise, we're going to get to a point. And... It's, it's a massive spoiler to the plot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, and when I say that, it is like, it is plot twist. It's not even like, it's not even just like, yeah, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to keep an eye out on that then. But no, so the reason Jungle Cruise exists is because they were kind of accidentally successful in parts of the Caribbean. And what I find fascinating is at the time, pirates movies weren't really a thing. No. Like, they, they'd come and gone and, you know, they weren't... They, I think Master, had Master and Commander come out before then. I don't know what that is. It's like a big... I think it's like a Russell Crowe um, privateer film. Like you type away where you Google Master and Commander. Oh my god, it's got a uh, Paul Bettany in it. What time? What what time did it come out? <laughs> what year did it come out? Oh, that looks cool. Um, two thousand three. I'm gonna watch this. So I'm pretty sure did part, did the first parts of the Caribbean come out two thousand one or two thousand five? Um, let me tippy tappy. <laughs> Um, 2003, 2006, and 2007. Like, they, they fucking, they worked hard in 2004 and 2005. Like, yeah, because that's, that's what happened. The, the first one, I think it was like 2001, 2005, 2003. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but no, that first one was made, uh, it, was, it was just like, a, we're going to make one good film. And... I think it was produced by Jay Bruckheimer. Um, I can't remember who directed the first one. Um, I think it was directed by Jay Bruckheimer, actually. He directed this kind of whole trilogy. And it was very much focused on, we're going to... Basically, they did Star Wars, but as pirates. You know, Will Turner is the... Um, he's the the kid who doesn't know where his what his lineage is and he's been raised by other yeah. people but he learns he's yeah. got a destiny and then you've got the princess which is Kira Knightley's character and Han Solo is um, Jack Sparrow and that's that's the dynamic you know there might not be a wizard like um, Obi-Wan uh, although I suppose Jack is also kind of the wizard and the Han Solo yeah. character but then you've got I guess Gibbs not, I'd probably say Barbosa was like the wizard kind of character right like yeah in, in in the next two in this one he's the villain um, i know which is so busy I, I think they've done it so they've done that so well sorry continue. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll let you but I think i think they took a kind of the classic i say the classic structure they took fair because star wars was a distillation of um fairy tale tropes and inspiration mm-hmm. from western and eastern cinema with like japanese movies and western cowboy movies and stuff and that sort of made star wars and then this guy took the Star Wars template and was like, well, if it was pirates. And I think that's why a lot of this yeah. works. And it also works because it is focused on telling one story. You know, mm-hmm. it has a central theme about will these people live freely or will they live the way society tells them to live? And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's fun. It's got like skeleton pirate people and it's, you know, well written and a charismatic cast. And um, <laughs> an underage yet overly sexualized uh, Kira Knightley, which yeah. <laughs> a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. 
She was like, fit. what, 17 when she filmed this? Yeah, but you got to remember that they waited three years until she was 20 to then film the, the second and third one where she's even more sexualized. Oh, yeah, where she has <laughs> sex scenes and all that stuff. That unnecessary scene in the third one where they're like, take your clothes off. <laughs> no reason. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no reason. Absolutely no reason. But but yeah, so the the first one was successful. And then that prompted them to, for whatever reason, film two and three back to back. Which I think was the best best idea that it did. Because it gave it like a, a feel. It, it gave it like the same feel. Yeah. It made it feel a bit more structured. Um, yeah. And they... I, I, they they were smart enough to pull from threads left in the first film because mm. in the first film you hear stuff like Davy Jones Locker, the East India Trading Company. These yeah. like little plot threads are there as kind of just this sort of... Sorry? It's just groundwork. They, they laid groundwork well yeah. in the first one. They're um, laying pipe is the expression, isn't it, I think? Or is that for something else? <laughs> I think it's both. I, I think I've, I've heard both been used for the same. But now I'm thinking it's laying pipe a sex thing. It's laying pipe. It sounds it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, whatever it is. Um, because, you know, they, they did a, they've done a good job with the world building in the first film to establish yeah. the time period and the kind of attitude toward pirates and the superstition around, you know, that pirates buy into. And then they take all those threads that they'd left and build stories out of them. So much so that Captain Jack Swagger actually has a really detailed backstory that is never explored yes. in the movies, but there's but in stuff the books, in the movies that explains it. But in the books, it's like, as well, because like, they wrote so many books after it, they go into detail about how him and the Admiral know each other. Uh, yeah, have you stuff. read any of the books? No, but I've like I, when I watch them, like I, I Google like little bits, so like I know a little bit of like same, how, they, same. how they know each other. But because I I never read the but I didn't know the books were a thing when I was a kid. Um, the books had been written after the films were made, kind of like what Assassin's Creed was. You know how they wrote they wrote Assassin's Creed books after yeah. the games had been made, purely to like add more backstory to some of the, the characters. Um, and because then you have like the novelizations of films as well, which is done purely to to kind of capture another bit of profit. But this yeah. is completely unrelated. Um, I once had a full-on debate with someone back in school because they were convinced that Star Wars was a series of books before it was a series of films. Oh. And I had a full-on debate, and I was explaining to them exactly, you know, George Lucas came up with this, this, and this, and this was his original idea, and this is what... It, that comes from and this comes from they're like no but it was books beforehand i was like no you fucking they're like then why are there so many star wars books and i was like because you could write books after a film has been released you don't it doesn't have to be the other way around oh ridiculous <laughs> it was a full-on I, I remember it like clearly because i've never been that annoyed before in my life because it was just it doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> so irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> it's just every day I wake up so and I think out, of that. Get out, and it's... Get out, it's fine. <laughs> that person's out there. They've probably got kids. They've put. They're breeding. They're passing their stupidity on to other people. Oh, I'll tell you who they were off air, but good <laughs> <laughs> taste, me. But, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I, what's that's like the sort of you know general backstory to these films. But yeah. do you think that? The first one 
feels like it's part of the same story that two and three are? Oh, or do you I think mean, it's one story, then another story? It, like, I, oh, I would never watch my, like, it's, I'm so conflicted on this one because, like, I would never watch any of them without watching first, one, two, three. I wouldn't just put three on. I wouldn't just put two on. Do you know I mean, I'd always watch yeah. one, two, three. But saying that, I think two and three feel so much more connected obviously for the obvious reason that they were they were made back to back but like they feel so much more connected they feel a lot more in the same style the characters feel different in two and three a little bit more hmm. Do you know i mean they like the characters are a bit more well-rounded um so oh, I, I disagree with you there what do you mean because i think only for william and elizabeth do i think this but I think their particular relationship is massively underdeveloped when it gets to yeah, the third no, no, film. No, no, no. no. I, I, I understand the relationship side of things, but like character themselves, you well, I, gets developed a lot more. Like William's character gets a lot developed with like the father figure. In the second like, one, yeah, I'd give you that. In the second one, they become a bit more three-dimensional. But I think by the third one, William's motivations... It all gets a little muddy, um, but I I, th- I think I think you're sorry. Am I boring you? No, no, no sorry, sorry, <laughs> <so> sorry. <laughs> I, I realised as I, was doing, I did that into the mic, I was like, "Fuck! I should have done it away." Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> That's <laughs> so fine. Sorry. Whatever. I'm fuck so, so sorry. I do agree with that though. Like, I'm, I, I, you've reminded me now though, like with the William side of things and like the motivations. I 100 percent agree with that. Because it's it's like you know, I I it's it's interesting because this this has happened I think a, a couple times in Hollywood where you get a good film and then they film the second and third one back to back. It happened with Back to the Future. Um, Did it? It, it happened with The Matrix. In fact, when they released the second and third one, they released them six months apart, and they called it like the Year of the Matrix. And two and three came out in the wow. same year. That's impressive. That's cool. Which, um, which kind of happens now a little bit, where you get like, a, like for example, in twenty seventeen, you had Wonder Woman, and then she was in Justice League later that year. Ah, uh, that, that's like, yeah, give me it's, it's it's similar, but that's that's it's not like you, similar you, but different. Yeah, it's it's the same characters but different franchises, I suppose. Um, whereas this was a sequel and then another sequel a few months later. Um, but yeah, I think I think. It's. It feels like it's one movie and ah, then another longer up. movie. Hold up. Both. Um. Sorry. <laughs> so the second and third one were, were literally released within a year of each other. What? Um. Pass of the Caribbean. Yep. Two and three. Yeah, because it, it was, was. It was. Yeah, but it was like it. It was. It wasn't like over a year. It was like within a year, which is crazy. <laughs> so it's is the same as what you were saying, but. Um, true I suppose that the only difference is that I think both 2 and 3 of the Matrix were released in like 2005 whereas with Pirates yeah, of the Caribbean it was yeah. 7 and 8 or whatever um, but I think uh, I think the reason they feel like two halves of a, of a whole story 2 and 3 is because of that cliffhanger at the end yeah. which sets up a third one and you have that I still think it's a fucking great ending where um, Barbosa 
comes down the stairs and she like proper like hypes everyone up you'll need a captain who knows those waters it's so good and it's such a good idea to have him bite the apple which is what he wanted to do the whole you know in the first one yeah and it's it's so weird that like because now those kind of moments only really happen in comic book movies but it's weird that they managed to build a hype around a character in that film that's like an original property it's music yeah, it's music. music as well has such a key part. Like, oh my god! Like the music in Pirates of the Caribbean, like it, like it's so broad on like the actual, the actual like genre of the pieces that they use. Like they go from everything. Like they have jovial to romantic to like upbeat. Like it's so hard to find. Like even some days in modern films now, like you will just they will the composers will just stick to the same theme. But this one is so like varied that it's. It, it caters to every single situation and scene. Like, yeah, because now it's it's common to use the same theme but change yeah. its its tone. Like I know for the, the Batman recently, they have the same kind of few notes for the Batman's theme, but sometimes they'll have it with a full orchestra, sometimes it's just the piano and yeah. they yeah, use yeah. it. Whereas this, it's, it's the same kind of attitude to the Lord of the Rings that, that we've been talking about, 100%. where each character or each location had its own music like tortuga has a has a certain atmosphere (laughs) yeah you know jack sparrow uh, has his theme as well like even even like characters i mean like jack sparrow has his theme will and yeah will and elizabeth have their theme and barbosa even has a theme so like it's yeah it's cool which is you know what um same with another parallel to star wars every character got their own theme and certain relationships got their own theme and stuff like that and i think like they've a lot of what works in parts of the caribbean not because of star wars but you can see that like those kind of relationships those kind of characters those kind of stories do well um trios of characters doing adventures seems to be incredibly popular like harry potter mm. you know it's yeah. um look at marvel where people go on about the trinity where you've got captain america iron man and um thor I don't know, maybe there's something about having three characters do a thing that people seem to love for whatever Batman, reason. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Exactly. exactly. Well, DC hates that one. We'll never see that Trinity again. <laughs> Everyone likes Trinities except DC. Yeah, which it could be one of the highest grossing. Anyway. We're not anyway. getting into that. We're anyway. not getting into anyway. that today, though. <laughs> anyway. But, um, no, I think I think you're right. I think the music, it's also, you know, it's Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Oh, my. He's yeah. one of the best composers in the business. Hundreds um, special, like oh. he's the emotion that and, he can build. Yeah, and I think he does a good job of, you know, because one of the issues I have with um, two and three is they sort of they start to build in scale. You know, the first film it's a very small scale thing. You know, it's it's very focused yeah. on the personal stakes of each of the characters, and they all have their own reasons for being where they are. Because they really um, only they don't go a great deal they don't go to a great deal many places apart from the island and then the home, do they? Like they don't go apart from. No, yeah, I, I I noticed this the last time I watched them where the third parts of the Caribbean movie it's almost entirely on boats, which is incredible. It's it's such a cool concept. Like, it's and I I didn't realize it was mostly on boats until rewatching it. But yeah, these they they're in Singapore at the start. Yeah. And then the next bit of land they go to is Dead Man's Locker. Oh, David Jones' Locker, whatever it's called. And then 
after that, the next bit of land they go to is um, uh, well, they they go to Shipwreck Cove, but that's yeah. all pirate ships piled on top of each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. And they then it's that tiny little, <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the ocean, that strip yeah. of sand or whatever. Um, and then at the end, the, there's like land stuff and they're all saying goodbye, whatever. But between those moments, it's all on boats. Yeah. Which the fact that I didn't notice the first few times I watched it is quite impressive that they made, you know, such limited locations feel big in scale. But I think they that's built kind the of. Ships. Like, which yeah. is the best bit. Like, it's so cool. Like, they actually had to film on the ships as well. Like, it wasn't even just, like, they built the ships. Like, the ships were in water at some points. Do you know what I mean? Like, which, you know, I'd like to believe would still happen now. Nah, nah. But they'd nah. probably just, they'd probably build, like, the base, some fake wooden panels, and then have blue screen everywhere else and just do it all with CGI. Because. VFX artists are incredibly overworked in the industry these days. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> uh, I think I think my issue is is that it's very small scale stakes. It's very personal in that first film. Then you get to the third film, and you don't really get why characters are doing what they're doing, other than they're a bad guy. We've got to stop them. It becomes much more good versus evil, free will yeah, versus yeah. control, and it's much more kind of. There's a kind of moral debate about whether or not Jack Sparrow will become a mortal. But there isn't any consequences for his decision right up until Will Turner's life is at stake. Yeah, he could, he could have basically fucked them all over and just... Yeah, because yeah, before, before Will gets, you know, stabbed... By the, spoilers for all these movies, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I mean that was obvious. That was, yeah. If you if you've come to if you come to, if you come to listen to a podcast about Pirates of the Caribbean and you don't think there's going to be spoilers, you're a big special bastard. You should hand, hand the iPad to somebody else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it's like you know when he gets stabbed and he's about to die. That's when there's conflict. Oh, should I be immortal or should he be immortal? Because other other than that, the only thing is that oh, if I become immortal, I've got to do a job and I don't want to do a job. That's the only kind of conflict he's got. It isn't until that very last that last minute moment where he's like, oh, fuck, do I become a mortal or should I let my friend be a mortal? Other than that, everyone's just kind of there. Barbosa wants, wants to free a, a weird witch woman, a, a, a goddess. Calypso. Uh, Elizabeth is there because she's guilty, but then when Jack comes back to life, like what she wanted, what's her motivation then? She wants to be king, I guess. Will wants to bring Jack back well, in the it, hope it, that... It was revenge for her father's death as well, was part of it, remember? Cause her father oh, was yeah, true. The Admiral. True, and then Will wants to free his dad. Yeah. Um, but and then... Ba- like, yeah, and like, Barbosa's like... And Barbosa just wants his ship back, isn't it? Like, that's like yeah. He just wants a ship and a crew. You really struggled to say Barbosa there, didn't you? Is that like a fucking jazz skit? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Barbosa just wants his like ship back and a crew, and he can't do that really until all of this has settled down because I mean, <laughs> yeah. everybody's in hiding or uh, Captain Jack's gone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. And I, I, th- I think also, because like 
they have like their own personal motivations, but they're not, they don't feel like directly tied to each other. They're all kind of resolved and they all make sense, but they're not really directly tied to that final conflict. And it also really fucking annoys me that they set up this big boat battle. They've gone and got all the pirate kings on their side and they've got all these pirates and then the, none, of the, them. none of them do anything. <laughs> it's literally the Black Pearl, yeah. the um, that ship that is a real ship apparently, a real ship from the East India Trading oh, Company. Was it the Challenger? No, it's it's like the Interceptor or something like that. Um, and then the Flying Dutchman. Um I love the Flying Dutchman ship. I love the Flying Dutchman. I love the Flying Dutchman. Um, I think my favourite is still the Black Pearl, which is a little basic. I always wanted oh, a Lego Black no, Pearl. No, I think I think that's a good choice. I'd probably say it's my favourite as well. Like I like David Jones one, but it's just too like dirty and grimy. I like I like the Black Pearl because it's it's cool. Yeah, you know I mean, like I'd like to walk around the the um, Flying Dutchman, but I'd like to live on a the Endeavour. That's it. Endeavour. But yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like, actually, no, no, no. I, I take it back. Sorry, Blackbeard's ship in the se- in the fourth one because it's controlled by a sword and it's magic. That's oh the, yeah, the Queen Anne's Revenge. Yeah, I quite like that one. Queen Anne's Revenge. Yep. Uh, is is the thing though? Um, I will talk about those films in a sec. The other two, but I th- what what I do like because it's a bit disappointing that the. The battle is just between these two boats that you don't see the other ships fighting in the background. But I do like the big fight over uh, the maelstrom. Yeah, it's so over the top, and I love it. <laughs> it's phenomenal. It's one of my favorite ending films to a trilogy. And I love the fight between him and David Jones, like Captain Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think like. To be honest, though, like I've got to be honest, I think one of my favourite scenes, and it's a scene that I will always rewatch because I'm a big old softy, is the marriage scene on the boat when they're fighting. Yeah, and Barbosa has to marry marry them on the top and while they're both like they're all fucking fighting. I just love it. Like the music I, swells, and it's it's that like the marry me theme is so good. As much as I do like that, it annoys me that that is very. It feels rushed because those two characters don't have a lot of time to explore their relationship in this movie, despite the fact they're on a boat together for most of the film, yeah. except when she goes off with the Singapore people. <laughs> I think the fact that Elizabeth and Will don't have a lot of time to really explore their relationship. There yeah. are there are they clearly have feelings for each other in the first one. The second one, you get to see them both. You know, they're looking for each other. They're trying to save each other and. There's clearly like a lot of love there still, and then at the end of the second one, there's obviously Will sees her kiss Jack Sparrow. So at yeah. the start of the third one, their relationship is frayed, but they feel so frosty towards each other for a lot of the film that when they turn around and get married to each other at the end, it feels like a heel turn. Yeah, I mean, I think like the one thing like I think you've kind of got to read between the lines with their relationship. Do you know what I mean? Because like, they've known each other for what he what age was what age was he when they left? He was like what twenty? I think I think I think they met when they were when he was ten and she was. Um, I I think I think the actress who plays the young version of her in that first film was only like three or four years younger than her. <laughs> That's funny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look that up actually. Well, uh, you but do you that. keep going with I'll... your point. 
yeah, yeah. So like, I, I think it's just like you've got to remember like they'd known each other for like a long, long time before the like before they went off. So I think like you've got to read between the lines to how like strong their like bond was, I guess. And also like sign of the time, like people back then got married so fucking quickly. Like let alone like knowing each other. That that was probably the that was probably five times the length that most people knew each other before they got married back then. Do you know what I mean? I get yeah, that is a bit true. frostiness and it was a bit weird in the in the third one. Hundred percent agree with that. It was a bit odd. All because of one's very simple misunderstanding. Yeah. Just just talk it out, kids. That's what you gotta do in relationships. <laughs> <laughs> but I I, th- I think the reason um Yeah, okay, so I I found it out. Uh Kieran Knightley was seventeen during the filming of um Pirates of the Caribbean and the girl playing the younger version was like 10 so there's like seven years difference between them two still that's that's quite weird isn't it yeah it's like um well actually like I, whole... I don't know if it's 10 years i don't know it's still pretty weird <laughs> it's it's strange how young she was uh but i guess she, she i guess she doesn't look young dad. Do you know I mean? she was still kind of li- living with her dad like she wasn't like really like Seventeen's like marrying age back in them days, so I guess like it, they're just very. I'm, ac- I'm talking very about accurate. no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. I'm talking about the actress Kira Knightley. I'm not talking about the character. Yeah, no, no. I just mean casting choice. They just they, they cast just because you were character. the way you were like seventeen's marrying age back then. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like two thousand three? What are you on about? Because the um, because she was uh, she was. I don't know how old the character is. I think the character's supposed to be in her twenties. I think the idea is that she's. I think she's supposed to be ten in that flashback, and then she's like twenty or so, or nineteen at least, something like that. Um, but yeah, the actress was Kieran Knightley was seventeen, and the girl playing the younger version of her was only seven years younger. I think it's like a ten-year time jump. Following the film's prologue, Elizabeth Swan is approximately seventeen to nineteen years old. In Cursed Black Pearl, about twenty in Dead Man's Chest and twenty-one, twenty-two at World's End. So technically, like the age she's playing in the first one is about the age that she is. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's. But then there's... <laughs> maybe that's even weirder that they're like. Yeah. The, the, because yeah, they, they all want to fuck they, her. They've done it. They they know, and then they've yeah. Maybe it is weird. Was a weird time, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> True. It's I I I. Very, very weird scenario. It's very weird that they hired a teenage girl and made everyone go, we want to have sex with this teenage girl. I think that's strange. Whether they were trying to be accurate or not in a film about magic or the, you know, dead pirates or whatever. They were like, no, we really need to get the age of this girl right. That needs to be the most accurate part of this film. We need the (laughs) borderline pedophilia to be as accurate as possible. We need to hire the most attractive and youngest person we can find. (laughs) That was probably something said Uh, as well. Yeah, Hollywood, like back, like imagine, like considering we know what it's like now. Imagine what it was like back then. That's ridiculous. I think because that last film is dealing with a lot of you know, kind of fantasy. Um, ideas, you know, there's that. The you've got Davy Jones, yeah. You've got Calypso. You've got you know the 
they're trying to get all these pirates together so they can have the brethren caught and there's all these big ideas that they're dealing with <laughs> a lot of the time and they have to go to dead man's locker david jones like whatever mm. it's called to get captain jack back who by the way doesn't appear until like the 40 minute mark or something in this film which is crazy right like it's it's crazy but it's also good that they were patient with it because he's yeah. not he's not necessary to the story up until that point yeah which now I I think I think they sort of unlearned some lessons after this third part of the Caribbean movie, to be honest. But we'll we'll get to that in a sec. But I I feel that like some of the character stuff was kind of dropped in the third film in favor of spectacle, which is why it's not my favorite. I think my favorite is probably still the first one, but I do enjoy second and third as much, but just for different reasons. Yeah. That's fair. I think a lot I, of that. I think some of that made sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, hundred percent did, hundred percent did. Um, like for me though, I, I think it, it will always be the third one, uh, purely because I like. I, this is the, the thing for me. Like I, I can't. I struggle to like an early. Sorry, did you hear that? I didn't hear a thing. Oh, good, good. Anyway, um, I struggle to like like an individual movie in a trilogy. Do you know what I mean? Like I really genuinely struggle. Like. If I'd have to say I like anyone, it's going to be the third one because it ties everything up. It's the conclusion. Yeah. It really, like, for, for me, it is always the final film and the trilogy because it ties things up, apart from Dark Knight Rises and, well, the Dark Knight trilogy. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, in, like, Lord of the Rings, it's the third one. Like, in The Hobbit, Okay, no, scrap that. But like in Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> it's definitely the third one um, for me because it, it, it ties it up satisfactory for me. So that must mean that your favorite Star Wars movie of all time is The Rise of Skywalker. Because um, that's not just the that's not just the ending of a trilogy. That's the ending of a trilogy of trilogies. Do, do you know what? Like, I like Revenge of the I, I like Revenge of the Sith the best out of the prequel ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to rewatch the originals. Again, to find my my favorite. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you're probably right. Out of the out of the like, out of the final one, like the new ones, I quite enjoyed the final one. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. This is not the podcast for us to have this debate, but I I still think the Last Jedi is the best of the sequel trilogy. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's fair. Uh, I what do I feel like things just got a lot more tense? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still understand why. I just, I just like, again, I just, I just, I just like it when they start to tie things together. Like, and I yeah, think to, to be fair, well. one of the moments I go back and rewatch from the sequel trilogy is that bit where, they, where she hears the voices of the previous Jedi. Oh my god! Like, but also, like, I love the concept of that whole, like, that whole, like, creepy secret cult world. I fucking love that concept. Do you know what I mean? Like, same. Me, that is like, I fucking love that. That that's why I like that. Do you know what I mean? Same. I just wish they'd use previously established Sith planets because you have Moraban or Korriban. Right. It was also called. Which you see in the Clone Wars, but instead they made no. This is the actual homeworld of the Sith, and I think the kind of the rough explanation is that when when Korriban fell, they moved to Exegol. Um, Fair, okay, yeah. Off topic. 
I know him. I know him. But for me, like again, that that's why I go back to the the, the, the thing about yeah. that. I just like the endings of trilogies, and I like like Revenge of the Sith. It ties up because it's so like it, usually, and I think the reason why for me personally is because there's a lot more emotion in these final films. Yeah, these final things because it's the end. It's like it's the end of everything that they've built. There's usually there's high higher stakes. Like for me, it's the emotion, and usually that comes again through the music that they use in the certain moments. But I think that's why I, I, I like, I'm drawn towards ending of trilogies more than beginnings and middles. doesn't mean I don't like them. I love them all, but <laughs> no, that, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think for the most part, I'm, I'm a similar way. If I think the trilogy is cohesive, yeah, which I think that's... this trilogy is, I think this trilogy does a good job of kind of, there, there are some character stuff that wobbles a little bit, and I think yeah. that the the theme of freedom versus control is present through most of the films, but it gets a lot vaguer by the second and third. Yeah. It becomes a lot more generic, good versus evil, whereas in the first one, each character is fighting control. Whereas in the last one, it's kind of like, we're vaguely fighting control because they're pricks. Um <laughs> That being said, I this isn't this isn't really a trilogy, is it? Um, no. Because un- unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, they produced two more films. Um, I mean, I yeah, I, I class these as spin-offs, but I, you can't you you can't class them as spin-offs. You have to class them as like an anthology, I guess, because you have characters that persist through do you know what I mean it's hard. well it'd be, it, it would be a a quintology i think is for five because oh, yeah, anthology anthologies. anthology is a collection of stories but they're all separate is it oh i thought an anthology it's was like, like more it's like black mirror is an anthology series because each story is it's a separate thing oh i thought you could class because i thought like you had the james bond anthology no um, I think I think that could technically be an anthology because kind of each you've got no. each interpretation is sort of and each start like it wasn't until Craig where continuity mattered. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just googling it as well. It's weird, crazy. No, I didn't realize that. Anyway, sorry, continue. So I so I think this would technically be a quintology, but you're right. The these these last two do feel like spin-offs, and personally. I don't mind the fourth one because I see the fourth one as kind of an epilogue because Will and Elizabeth get their kind of happy ever after. But Jack doesn't. Jack is left on his own at the end of that film looking for the Fountain of Youth. So I, I, I like watching on Stranger Tides because I, I think it's it, it gives Jack a happy ending because at the end he's got his friend, he's got his boat, and he says he knows how to get the boat out, and it looks like they're going off into the sunset to free the ship and sail off and get his happy ending. Um, yeah. And then the fifth one kind of ruins that. And the fifth one, to me, I think that came out in, like, 2017. So it's it's a good six years after On Stranger Tides, and Johnny Depp is visibly older. Um and he's clearly going through a lot at this time, you know. We don't need to go into his personal life here, but <laughs> clearly there's stuff. there was stuff going on in his personal life that bled into his performance on screen because the idea is that Captain Jack is washed up. 
You know, no one, no one cares about Captain Jack anymore. No one fucking believes his bullshit. You know, he's, he's, he's at the end of the line, essentially. The world's moved on and he's not this great pirate that he used to be. But you'd think that that movie would give him an arc where he becomes, he reclaims that part of himself, but he never does. He just stays this kind of drunk buffoon. And, you know, you watch, it's why I like the fourth one, because the fourth one still shows that he's he's a smart person. He goes into situations with an escape plan. Yeah. It's that great scene where he's talking to King George in On Stranger Tides. And he's oh, he's just dancing around the room and he's moving stuff around, whatever. And you don't really pay attention. And then you realise it's because he was setting up an escape plan. And he gets out and he's he's free. And it shows that there's a bit of intelligence there. Like you see in the first, yeah. second and third where he's got all these plans and machinations going on. But then the fifth one, he, he doesn't have any plans or schemes. He's just kind of like a drunk old man just doing stuff and it's so depressing to watch and it also the fourth one does a good job of kind of like closing most of the the plot threads there's one loose end at the end of on stranger times it's the post-credit scene where i think it's penelope cruz's character finds a a voodoo doll of captain jack but that doesn't come up in the fifth one which i I guess might come up in the sixth one no because i i think the sixth one is a reboot Oh, completely different characters. Yeah, but we'll get, we'll get to that because I think what was weird about this latest one is it was kind of trying to set up a brand new franchise where it introduces Will and Elizabeth's kids, um, yeah. which is weird because he's like his son is like twenty, yeah, or however old, which would mean that Elizabeth. No, I suppose, I suppose if she, she was, was she she was forty or thirty, and yeah, they said. They, they said she was thirty nine forty in the in the Stranger Ties. Oh, no, so in the Stranger Ties. Um, Salazar's Revenge. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense because she's about. It was twenty okay, years that, yeah, after that. the fact, so yeah. Yeah, that well, makes sense. Right. That makes sense. But that would make that, that would make Captain Jack like sixty odd. Yeah. Because he was pushing like forties, right? And yeah, because he he knew Will's dad. So he was a he was like in his forties in the first one. So he'd be definitely in his sixties by, by the uh, by the fifth one. That's also the thing. They sort of, as we talked about before, Captain Jack is such a rich backstory. Where and for those who don't know, the 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 backstory of the character is that he was a privateer who worked for the admiral we see in the second. What's his name? Cutler Beckett. Cutler Beckett. What a name. Um, so he, he worked for Beckett and he was a privateer who would ship cargo. And then one of his um, one of his jobs he was given was he had to transfer like 200 slaves to the Americas. And he went against it. He, he decided, he, he was like, no, I, I won't do that. And because he went against his orders, um, he was branded a pirate. Which, Which is, is why, why he gets... you have that awkward scene with the P in the ship. Yeah, and they and because he and there's also that line where Beckett says, you know, we've both left our mark on the other one. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, that's 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 what yeah. I was meaning. That was the scene I was meaning. And um, you know, and it's also why he says uh, people aren't cargo, mate. 
when he's talked about you you were you were told to ship so and so and he was like people at cargo and the ship as punishment was was set fire to it was the ship was called the wicked wench it was covered in oil and it was burnt i think with the people still inside it i can't remember if that if they were if if they were inside it or not and it's and i think um he was inside the ship as well and he you know, is pleading for his life to whatever will hear him, and Davy Jones hears him, and and that's when he makes the deal with Davy Jones. He makes the deal with the devil, where he gets thirteen years to be captain, and um, the reason his life is worth so many souls is because that's how many people he tried to save. Um, so yeah, it's wait. it's. Wait, you said thirteen years, right? From when. He was yeah, he was. He, yeah, thirteen. So that that means right. That which is a bit weird, right? It's like if you look at Salazar's Revenge, the origin story and the backstory. Then exactly doesn't, doesn't pin in at all. Exactly, that makes it seem like he was a pirate from the get go, and young. and fair enough. None of that backstory is explicitly stated in the movies. Stuff that's in the books, but it's still the backstory that they took on board with the movies because there's so many allusions to it. There's the history between him and Davy Jones. There's the history with him and Beckett. There's lines of dialogue that are talked about. People talk about, you know, the legendary, the legends of Jack Sparrow. And the fifth one, it clearly wants to go into that, but it's written and directed by people who don't care about the franchise. So they just care about the iconography. Like there's a bit where in the fifth one where he trades the compass for a bottle of booze. And because he betrayed the compass, it, like, broke this curse that meant that Salazar could escape that little cave and come get him, which makes no sense because in the third one, he he gives the compass to Will. (laughs) So it's like, surely that would have triggered it before. It's It's like they just didn't rewatch the films. Yeah. It was like someone described to them what happened and they went, oh, okay, we'll write a fifth one based off that description. They didn't have any of the, the, the small details. Like Will, for example, he's turning into a Davy Jones type monster. But the reason Davy Jones looks like that is because he didn't do the job. But Will is doing the job, so he should be fine. And he also talks about his crew as if they're all monsters. Where at the end of the third one, they're all back to being human and they all follow him and he's Which their means captain. He can't be doing the job. I mean, I get, uh, theoretically, I guess he could just not be doing the job. Or maybe he's just not doing it well. So they get. <laughs> he's just not. Half months, monster status. Or, alternatively, maybe he's saying the crew are monsters because they're all rapists. <laughs> they all like little boys. People. Yeah, they're all just bad people. But it's it's. It's strange as well because then they do weird stuff with Barbosa's character, where Barbosa is now this decadent pirate captain. It was like all. Yeah, because he, he, after he was like fucked over, he joined the King's Navy. And then when he got his revenge, he left the King's Navy and became a pirate again. Um, <laughs> which is fair so, enough. I mean, it's so like. He, I, I feel like it's just. Jack Sparrow and Barbosa, like. Two of my favourite characters in that whole thing, but really, I don't think they should have made it past. I think it's pushing it past the third one. Fair enough, the fourth one was good and they did it well, but I think you're really fucking you're dragging their bones across the floor yeah. at this point, like of how much you can do. 
and that's I think that's why I like the fourth one because when I when I when I bought the the set on Blu-ray, I bought the four film box set up until yeah. on Stranger Tides because <laughs> I think I was like I'm not getting the fifth one. I, I the last time I tried watching it, I, I stopped halfway. It's like, very rarely do I stop a movie and not finish it, but that one it got to a particular point where I was like. I just I can't <laughs> I just can't I'm pre- yeah I'm pretty sure we actually I did the same so like I, during lockdown I watched all, all all of them at the same time like I was like refining my love for them and then I got halfway through the fifth one I think it took me about three or four goals to actually finish it like, I watched like ten minutes and I was like, oh my god I just can't <laughs> and it it also like a lot of them a lot of these movies do have a kind of relic a, a thing that a MacGuffin that is part of the movie in the first one, it was it was the treasure chest. In the in the second one, it was another chest, which had the heart of David Jones in. And then in the third one, it's still the heart of David Jones. Um, but it's also the MacGuffin isn't the and you also have like the 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 pieces of eight, but the MacGuffin isn't the point by the third film. But then the fourth and fifth one are like, well, we need we need another MacGuffin. So they pick the two laziest. Sea related items out there: the Fountain of Youth and Neptune's Trident. Yeah, I like the I like the Neptune's Trident, but it just it feels a bit too fantastical. At that point, do you know what I mean? I mean it. It makes sense because Calypso is a Greek goddess. Yeah, no. So it makes sense that the other they pick another Greek god, which I guess implies the Greek gods are real in the parts of the Caribbean universe. But it's still, it's like... But, like, I mean, I don't know, like, just the change between, like, the way they did Calypso was so, like, it was almost, like, realism. Do you know what I mean? Like, she was this, like, voodoo witch. Yeah. And then, like, she turned it, okay, she turned into a giant and then went back into the sea. But she wasn't, she didn't really have, like, a physical form, in a sense. The term I've always used is practical magic. Yeah. Where it's... Excellent, excellent, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 magic and sorcery that's done with like tangible items, yeah, not like so, in Harry Potter where they're just shooting lasers at each other. <laughs> Precisely, but so, so like I feel like, for, yeah, exactly. So like, I feel like hers was like practical magic. Do you know what I mean hers very much felt like yeah. it was changing the tides? You stuff. had to put but, tangible items in a in a real bowl yeah. and then set that bowl on fire Th- through like curses and stuff like that and like yeah, and you had and, and it had to be intimate. Then, like, you had to whisper in her ear yeah. and tell her you loved her or whatever. But then like having then like the tried this magic trident that separates the seas by some magic that anybody can wield I just felt like and you have to go to an island covered in gemstones that glow yeah. in the light in a particular way like yeah but then if, if Calypso is still around where the fuck's Neptune yeah where are all the gods yeah if, if, if Calypso is still around maybe there was a big purge and because she was on land she couldn't but that doesn't make sense it's it's like you be consistent with what you do with what you write. Do you know what I mean have Neptune yeah. as a bloke that you've got a fucking bargain with or like something to then get the trident? I don't know. Just have, have, <laughs> why is it, is is Neptune in another vessel? You know, like is yeah. are they all trapped in like voodoo people? Maybe Babosa is Neptune. That'd be cool. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be cool. I, another another twist. Another. I mean, I mean, look, I. I just don't think it's a very good film. <laughs> I think no. I I think the trilogy and then the kind of spin-off epilogue at the end with On Strangers Tide, that is kind of that's where the franchise should have stopped. And 
you know, I think one of the key selling points was Johnny Depp's um, Captain Jack. It was such a it was such a, a rich performance, and I think it got lazier as the films went on. But he was intelligent. He was charismatic. He was funny. You know, he he was kind of like he was Han Solo, but a, a, with a bit more liveliness to him. And yeah. you take him out of this franchise. And what is the driving point? Because if it's just pirates doing magic stuff, it isn't about like, yeah, it isn't about you know magic spells and fucking shooting lasers at each other. It's about tangible, real stuff and real personal stakes. So the fact that they've said they're going to do a sixth Pirates of the Caribbean film, <laughs> which is going to be a reboot with Margot Robbie, other than seeing Margot Robbie in a pirate costume, what what? <laughs> What's the selling point? <laughs> like, no, I completely agree. And like, you just know they'll have like they'll bring in some, like, B-rate fucking Jack Sparrow wannabe sort of like comedian that's just not going to be like. I, like <laughs> they'll hire Mads Mikkelsen again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could you imagine? But then he has to like play and dance around like fucking Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Oh, God, that'd be hilarious. I'd pay to watch that. The new Edward Scissorhands reboot, but it's Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> Every single Johnny Depp film. What's eating Gilbert Grape, but Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, but it's Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> oh, that'd be incredible. I, like... I mean, who? I mean, who knows? Look, like, like they could come out and be like, "Look, we have a really, we have a genuinely good idea," and you know, it's it's a it's a it's a really it could be like a really good film because like you know the the first parts of the Caribbean was kind of like lightning in a bottle. You know, it was it was very, it was weird that that was as successful as it was, because it, you know, and it, that type of film would never get made today. Well, it did. It was Jungle Cruise, and it was shit. So, you know. <laughs> 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 so I, 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 um, but yeah, like it was just it was bizarre that that first film was was good, and it's even weirder that, you know, the next couple of films after it were as good as they are. But I just don't see it working again. And I think it's, you know, I mean, it could, but I, I have no interest to see it. And I'd rather, if I, I don't want to make more Pirates of the Caribbean films. I want them to find a way to get rid of a couple that they've already made. <laughs> I'd rather Disney put resources into finding every copy of Pirates 5 and getting rid of it. <laughs> Just <laughs> what should we just wipe everybody's memories and like... like find a way to get every copy of Pirates Five on Blu-ray and DVD and get rid of them. Get it off Disney Plus. Just find any way that they can to get rid of that film. Because I mean, I guess I guess the one upside is that Elizabeth and Will reunite. But I don't yeah. care. Like, I mean, I don't really want to see that. Like, like that was that was the post-credit scene of the third film. Is they get to reunite every ten years? So we already saw it. And like, yeah, like the final and the final scene between them on the beach was just it was just such a good ending to it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's also weird because like when they're in the fifth parts of the Caribbean movie, you can tell that they were like asked, "Can you?" Do you have a free day where you can come and film, please? <laughs> <laughs> they're barely in it. I'm pretty sure they were in like all the trailers, and they're in it for two minutes most. Oh, wow. wow! And I'm pretty. I, I think two minutes is fucking pushing it as well. There was a <laughs> like there was a post. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have um Have you seen the post credit scene of Pirates of the Caribbean Five? Um, 
Because these movies have post-credit scenes. I, I, um, I don't know if I have. The post-credit one. scene of the first one is the monkey gets the gold coin oh, no, and becomes undead. So I've watched all of the. I've watched the three end credits. I don't know if I've watched four and five. Well, number four is Penelope Cruz gets the um, voodoo doll, and um, I'll I'll, I'll let you that. watch. I, I have you one. found the number five? Um, because I'll let you watch it before I tell you because it's a bit fucking weird. Oh, it's Davy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not see this. So clearly they thought they were going to get like a whole new franchise where they're all going to come back and fight Davy Jones again, I suppose, even though he's oh, dead. Oh, right, it's a dream. See, I'm not going to lie, right? See, because they like aged them up. I didn't know that was Elizabeth and Will. Like, they look like just... <laughs> they look like a couple of just regular people. 100%. I mean, look. Maybe uh, the next one... Oh my god! No fucking way! Did they? Why? Why would they do that though? Like, what is the point in that? Does that mean like they're gonna? They're not doing that. They've 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 tried to shoot for something. They're not gonna have to fall through it. They're not gonna come through on it. It's pointless. They're idiots. I mean, what are you gonna have them? Are you gonna have them come back and fight him again? Like, they've realised that after 4 and 5 that they bombed so badly that they're going to try and bring them back. I, personally, I think they should just leave it alone. I don't, I don't think they should, I think, I mean, they won't because what they'll do is they'll probably in a couple of years, they'll turn Pirates of the Caribbean 6 into a Pirates of the Caribbean Disney Plus TV show. And they'll, they'll probably get Margot Robbie on board or whatever. They'll, they'll get someone and they'll play characters who are (laughs) similar, but... (laughs) Yeah, they'll get the rock, and they'll... Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart is Jack Sparrow's character. Ryan Reynolds will play Barbosa or something. <laughs> yeah. They'll the they'll find a way because it because it's a big prop because it's a big property. They will find a way to turn it into something. There is not a single big franchise on the planet right now that isn't being milked for fucking cash. So yeah. it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Uh, to At be the fair, very least. To be fair, no, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, at the very least, fucking Netflix will buy the rights to make an anime series out of it or something like that. Because <laughs> oh, that's what they've been doing lately. <laughs> the one the one big movie genre that I'd surprise hasn't been followed up on is Warcraft, World of Warcraft. Like, it's Oh, I heard something about that. Because they made that film, right? And it was not bad. It was it was an okay film. Um, like, But... It's such like a deep universe. You can go into like so much. I think. One second. I'm sure I heard that they were. It was getting turned into a series. Oh, okay. Warcraft. I guess. I mean. Warcraft. I think, I think because like the thing is with World of Warcraft, right? They release like see like not like seasons, but you know like how in like Cold War, uh, World of Warcraft, you had like seasons and then it came out and like you'd have like a big storyline, like effectively what they do is like every fucking two three years they come up with this big event so like one of them was like cataclysm where a big fucking demon dragon had come over and like destroyed yeah i think i always see the cinematic trailers for those yeah yeah and like they're really good so like i think if you started making films out of the the storylines there you've got such a rich deep um story already written for you it's gonna be it would be piss easy but writing a series about it i'm not necessarily 
unless it's done high budget and well, I think you'd be struggling. Actually, yeah, it could I, work. I, it could work I see. I don't really know much about the um, the Warcraft universe. I know that there was a couple of games before World of Warcraft, um, and I think the movie might have adapted some of the storylines from those first couple of games. Um, it, I think that the the story I think didn't it do, I think it did the very very early World of Warcraft because because I, um, I think because I think yeah. there was games called like Warcraft and Warcraft Two Warcraft Three and then they did the online player World of Warcraft, but I'm pretty sure there was a couple of games that were just called Warcraft beforehand, which is why this movie was called Warcraft. It's it's I always thought it's weird, right? That we've gone massively off topic. Massively off topic. We'll, we'll get back fair, on topic. To be fair, we kind of had finished with Pricing Academy. There wasn't much we could actually. Yeah, true. I was just going to say that I, I always thought it was weird because Assassin's Creed and Warcraft came out the same year. And yeah. uh, Duncan Jones, who did Warcraft, did a movie called Source Code, which is very has a very similar concept to Assassin's Creed. And <laughs> the director of Assassin's Creed, whose name I forget, had done Macbeth and done it as this big war epic. I always thought, I wonder what would happen if you switched those directors and had the director of Assassin's Creed do a really grounded Warcraft film and just gave Duncan Jones the Assassin's Creed film where you can just rinse and repeat source code. But anyway, so just quickly, a few more last um, questions before we wrap up this this week's podcast. We're, We're rattling through these trilogies, aren't we? We're killing them. We don't have any left. Yeah, we're um, well. That's it. Next week's Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, and then that's like all pretty much all the major ones, right? Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, um, we'll, we'll find some more. We'll, we'll find some more trilogies. There's there's plenty out there. Plenty yeah, we'll 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 get to it. We'll get to it. But um, we'll fi- we'll figure something out. We'll oh, we'll be dead. Who knows? But who would you say is your favorite villain out of this franchise? Uh Cutler Beckett by far. Like I think he's he's just the, the uh, moving on favorite boat favorite boat um uh Blackbeard's uh, uh moving on favorite character in general uh favorite character in Babosa moving on favorite for uh, favorite film favorite film third one favorite music um oh now that's tricky um I'm gonna say <laughs> uh the marry me theme for you favorite ship. Uh, Black Pearl. Favorite character. Uh, Jack Sparrow. Favorite villain. Oh, Cutler Beckett. Yeah, has to be. Has to be. Uh, favorite um score. Um. Oh, I, 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 I'm trying to think of the 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 main theme, but specifically when it's playing around the maelstrom. Okay, yeah, fair, fair. I think that might be the marry me theme, like part of that whole score. I, th- I, th- yeah, I think it's, I think it's tied into it because it's, yeah. it's part of the same, part of the Both same. Ends, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a good um, mix. I'll send you on YouTube of it. It does the whole third one. Anyway, sorry. Back to back to the quick fire. Um, <laughs> uh, Favorite ship that you've not asked me that? No, you have asked me that. Uh, you said Black Pearl. Um, I think you've asked me everything there. Favourite pirate faction out of the Pirate Council? Oh, oh, I didn't ask you this. Um, 
I, you know what, right? I love. Um, no I, profile here. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I love uh, Gentleman Jacquard's uh, yes. group. I yes. just, I like the way he, he the talks as well. Right? Yeah. No, 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 no. Gentleman Jacquard's the um, the African pirates. Oh, <gasps> yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I. I I do like that scene a lot. I like um I like the, the little Indian guy where he's like And he's so, so we shall go to war <laughs> yeah. yeah so good. I'd like I was gonna say like for me it's a toss up between him and Gentleman Jacquard. Purely I like Gentleman Jacquard because he's fucking huge. But yeah. he's so just, <laughs> just I just like the way they, they introduce themselves. I think um and, I actually, you know what, right? I think my second favorite villain would be Blackbeard. I, I think say, he's right? a genuinely solid choice. Yeah, like I, the actor as well, Ian McShane, is so good for Blackbeard. I think, like, I, but I also think that's that's what makes um, it's what makes the fourth and fifth one feel lazier to me, is the fact that they start leaning into more stereotypical pirate stuff. Yeah, you know. I think the the first because like now a lot of pirate material goes into f- like famous pirates of the era like the Black Flag Assassin's Creed game or the Black Sails TV show. Oh, they just fucking ticked off like. Yeah, and it had, they have to have Blackbeard. They have to have you know Bartholomew Roberts. They have to have Charles Vane. They go to like the very famous pirates and they lean into that history a lot. Whereas Pirates of the Caribbean was just like, no, we're gonna we're gonna take elements of the ride like the skeleton pirates and the gold and the yeah. dead men's chest and all that and we're going to take some nautical myths like davy jones locker but we're going to build our own thing around it you know they they had a unique design for davy jones they had a, a unique design for davy jones locker whereas you know you get to like blackbeard and yeah he's got a ship that comes to life but it feels less like We've got a unique take, and more like, well, we need to give him a gimmick because everyone else had a gimmick. You know, we can't just have him be a guy because one of the previous villains was an octopus face. So we've got to give him something. Yeah, no, I understand. No, I, I, I agree with that, Thomas. I think that's that's a good choice for a second villain. I, 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 I guess I'd, I'd have to say maybe Barbosa in the first one as favorite villain. Yeah, he's he no, is not very favorite, good. But like second favorite, but then like. Because he's, he turns good, can you really call him? But he's a villain in the first one. Weird. But he's, anyway. and it's it's weird when he turns good as well because it's he is kind of good, but he's he's sort of not. He they do a good job of making him, you know, a pirate. Yeah, he's the most morally grey person where he is kind of just in it for himself. But he has a particular code that he sticks to. Even in the first one, he didn't. He wasn't going to kill Elizabeth. Like, he makes her think they are, and then he just cuts a hand, and he's like, well, we don't actually have to kill you. We just want to get our lives back. And I, I guess it kind of makes sense, though, like, the reason why it does, like, turn us back at the end of it. Because, like, the reason he's been brought back at the end of the second one is specifically to help Captain Jack. Yeah. He's probably going to die again if he, doesn't, if he just says, no, fuck you guys. Do you know what I mean? Because... Which she threatens him. I love that bit where yeah. Calypso grabs his hand and turns it into a skeleton. Oh, yeah. And when he and when she turns um, David Jones back to human again, yeah, 
And that, that's the thing. There feels like there's more consistency with the magic between the first three films. Even the fourth film a little bit. But then when you get to the fifth one, they're just like anything. Like, you destroy Neptune's um, uh, trident and it breaks every curse. What? Why? <laughs> does that mean every curse was somehow linked to that trident? And if so, how? How does that work? So does that mean that, like... Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, like the Johnny, like the, the, the David Jones thing. He specifically could not touch land. Whereas the, the compass, if he betrays the compass, it's going to summon ghosts to kill him? What? Why? Where's the connection? Where's the correlation between him giving the, the compass to someone for booze and Salazar getting freed from a cave? What's the correlation there? Whereas it's much simple, the, the rules are very like, Davy Jones can't step on land, so he has to be carried in like a little bucket. <laughs> when, they're, when they're meeting on the island yeah it's so bizarre but like I, I, I would die on this hill it's because they filmed it back to back it makes consistency yeah. so much easier like and it's because oh, you can yeah. you can keep the same actors the same props you yeah. can keep the same tone even going back to Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit right like look at the fucking sting and the way that sting goes out hmm. not consistent no consistency yeah. I don't know why they change it I don't know what they think like oh we're gonna Amp it up. No, keep it the same. I don't want to see it fucking move. But at the same time, the Hobbit as a trilogy is consistent with itself because they were all filmed together. Absolutely. There's 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 inconsistency between that and the Lord of the Rings, but those individually have consistency within themselves because they were filmed back to back. Oh no, of course. No, I I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm adding on to your point. I'm yeah. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just no, 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 no. Basically, Louis, I'm taking what you said and making it better. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I think filming movies back to back is quite a daunting task for the cast, for the people involved in making the film. A lot of people who've done it have talked about it being an incredibly difficult process to go through. But I have to admit, most of the movies that I really like are movies like series of movies. I should say it's like every movie has to be filmed back to back with a sequel. But sequels that I like next to each other are movies that were filmed back... Like, um, for example, the original Superman movie and the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. I love those movies because those movies were originally filmed together. Hmm. I can still hear you scroll it. (laughs) It's like someone's rubbing sandpaper into the microphone. (laughs) It's weird though because the microphone's right up at my mouth, like... I thought you'd be able to hear me breathing. Yeah, but don't you lie with your head next to your mouse. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sounds like you do. But no, I think um I I I I think they should have at most stopped at four with this franchise. But I'm just cuz it it gives it gives the other extra characters a happy ending. But I'm no, I I I think this a lot of people say like the third one isn't as good as the first one, and maybe it isn't. But I do think that those three movies together do work as a story. Um, yeah. Were were the movies past the first one necessary? No, but like, there's no, there's nothing left unanswered in the first one that is then resolved by the third. But there is the second and third one do you know add to the world and there is still like a lot of 
you know, spectacle, like grandiose stuff there that I, I quite like. So, I don't know, it's, it's not my favourite trilogy in the world, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, no, I, I completely... Are you on TikTok you, again? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> you're on I'm, fucking TikTok I'm, again. I, 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 I thought it was actually thinking about what you were saying, because like, for me, I think it is probably like, up there with my favourite trilogies, I think, like... But, yeah. Do you... Anyway. If you had to rank this trilogy alongside The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, where would you rate it? Uh, I'd rate it underneath Lord of the Rings, but probably above Hobbit. Yeah, same, same. Uh, yeah, 100%. But, yeah, I, I just like them. Again, and I, score I, has a massive effect on me. Um, film score has a massive effect on me. But... Yeah, true, true. I think um, one of the reasons I love um, Man of Steel is because of the music behind it. Oh, my God, I could listen to that. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm going to listen to that in the gym tomorrow. Do you know that? <laughs> you probably... <laughs> first flight or something i think yeah fuck me it's it's just so strong and like it's so Hans Zimmer again precisely like it's so unique to every other every other thing like and that's the thing that just amazes me about his writing is like everything is just so so unique to each other yet it still provokes the same emotions and like Mm. it it never ceases to amaze me uh, it's it's why I prefer guy. him over John Williams because I think a lot of John Williams scores it's all same, sound similar. Same, like Star Wars, like the Star Wars one sounds similar to Indiana Jones. Is it isn't there like a particular thing where people say that if you start humming one John Williams music, you'll start you'll you'll end up humming another or something like that? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's yeah. like something. It's like it's like called the Williams effect where you'll 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 try and hum the tune to Jurassic Park, but you end up accidentally humming E.T. or something like that. Yeah, but I, I swear to God, I think it's because John Williams is an older guy, and I, I think his style of film scoring is more classical. Like, it's more classic and, like, old theatre-y than Hans Zimmer. Mm. Hans Zimmer is more, like, conceptual and tries to pull out a lot of different... And I, I also, I might be getting my film history wrong here, but I'm pretty sure he was right at the cusp when film scores were becoming a more integral part of the film process right, okay. and they were um they were really because it was like you know you would you would get a film score for older movies and it was it was you would have to have someone in the theater who could play a piano so over the movie yeah. you, yes. cinemas would get given a like a, a a reel of film and sung music like sheet music it's so that while the film's right? playing someone could play along with it so like film scores have always been a thing but i think they weren't like properly popularized until i think like the 60s and 70s and then when blockbusters got big then you had to have a film score for that and i think john williams was on the cusp of that being popular it it makes sense because like yeah his score he got a lot of work and it all sounded very similar (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i mean because like they're like because they are like slightly different, but they've all got the same feel to them. Do you know what I mean? Like they all just uh, like it's yeah. Like ha- like Hans Zimmer like plays around with the different type of instruments he uses, and the different like techniques he uses for the instruments. Whereas yeah. like, John Williams is very much like he'll use fanfare with like trumpets to get that really sort of ah oh, like wholesome, really aggressively loud 
noble theme almost. Yeah, you know I mean, like, especially in the Star Wars. Ah, anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, you. I think I think I completely agree with you. I think the the music to a trilogy can be just as important as anything, and I think it's it's um it's one of the things that Marvel not struggle with but could lean into better where because like parts of the Caribbean, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit even, they would give characters and locations a particular sound or a particular feeling and carry that over through the films. And I think it's it's something completely unrelated. But I think Marvel have this thing where they will have they will introduce a theme for a character, but they won't use it later on down the road. Like for example, um Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin was kind of the, the, the song to show that Thor had his confidence back in Thor Ragnarok. But in Infinity War, instead of the Immigrant Song, it's just the Avengers theme when Thor arrives in Wakanda. But if they'd have used the Immigrant Song, there's that same musical language being carried over from film yeah. to film. And I think, uh, you know, um, parts of the Caribbean does a good job of weaving certain motifs through their through the yeah. score i think it's it, in that sense as well it's it, it is a little easier to create themes originally rather than like if you're using like a song that's already established by like a rock artist as like a, a song it I, th- I feel like it can come across a little cheesy if you keep using it as a theme before do you know what i mean like so immigrants i think it was an excellent choice for the film but i think then if you tried to bring it into like moments like in infinity war when he comes down it's. I think it's a little hard if you can if you can some way integrate it into another original score. Do you know what I mean? Like, have the same theme of it, but like an orchestral. I think it makes it a little bit more. True, I suppose. I, but I, su- I suppose what I'm saying is more a case of your your the scene that is in Infinity War has a similar meaning to the scenes in Ragnarok, yeah. but the music is different. So it doesn't have the same kind of connectivity as it might do if it was the same piece of music. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, uh, it, it's it's not as bad now, but it it would be like in the MCU. I mean, but there are there's like certain they do it much more subtly where the, it's like um, a character will step through, and in the background, if you really pay attention, you get a couple notes of their theme from a few movies yeah. ago. Whereas, whereas this, it's much more. You play a piece of music, and it's the same with Lord of the Rings, same with kind of with The Hobbit, where you play a piece of music and you know exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. But yeah, so um, so what we're we talking about next week, Louis? So we are talking about Fantastic Beasts. But we need to watch it first, so we will be doing our homework and then talking about it. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're covering on the run up to uh, the secrets of Dumbledore being released. We are going to watch um, and then talk about Fantastic Beast One and Fantastic Beast Two. I have a lot to say about these. Movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to rewatch. I really need to rewatch. Like I haven't seen. Actually, I don't actually think I've seen the second one properly. So this will be like. This will be like fresh, f- fresh off the press. <laughs> right, a, a brand one, new hot take. The, f- the first one I was told you about that I had yeah. that, like 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll see if um if this uh if this rewatch gives you flashbacks. I'll be sitting having like yeah, I'll sit there just having a panic attack or sweating just We'll 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 check back in, we'll we'll see how you're doing mentally next week and see where you're at. I'll be a shell of a man, that's what I'll be. Um but yeah, so next week we'll do Fantastic Beast one and two, and then Fantastic Beast three, and then I think we're going to take a, a bit of a break. Um, because we've fallen out. <laughs> uh, yeah, because um, <laughs> because I've been fucking your wife for the last few years, and I finally told you about it. So we're going to take a bit of a break, and then and then once we've come to some kind of understanding, we'll we'll pick back up. Hot back up. Should be too long. But... Yeah. But we'll 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 figure that out. You, me, and the wife. We'll we'll, we'll get that sorted. And, um... Will Smith and Jada. <laughs> oh, how very topical. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Next uh, next week's gonna slap. Hey, eh? hey, eh, Louis. Uh, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you physically assaulted a man on stage. Anyway, so we'll um. We'll 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 talk next week probably. So yeah, follow podcast. Uh, do you want um, podcast? <laughs> yeah, in yeah. um, a bit. Bye.